0: Welcome to Associated, the podcast making venture capital more accessible. I'm Lois and I'm joined by Francesca tonight. Hi, Lois. And we are delighted to be joined by Hassan Zakar, a fellow at Included VC, a class of 2020 Entrepreneurs Foundation and a participant in Diversity VC's internship program this summer. How are you doing?
1: Really good. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much for being on.
1: It's always a pleasure to be here.
0: So I thought we'd dive in with uh, what we usually do, which is a bit of personal stuff up front. Who are you? Um, You know, how did you come to be in this room talking to us today?
1: (laughs) Amazing. I love this question. So um, in 2015, just over four years ago, I first came to to the UK. I was 17 by myself, Fiji, didn't know anyone, didn't have any money. So it was a completely... fresh start, uh, and I had to figure out a lot of things along the way. Um, Since then, I started studying engineering at Exeter. had a great time there. Uh, One of the things that I remember is during my four years, I probably went to a dozen lectures or so. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, Yeah, but then one of the things that got me started into the whole world of tech and startups is um, necessity, really. So when I was starting, I had to find a way to make money. At the time, it was really difficult to get a job because of a lot of things with my status at the time. So the only way was to start a company. I started an e-commerce company at the time, selling hyper-targeted, niche, very niche merchandise product through Facebook ads. Um, that worked really well, surprisingly. And one of the main takeaways from that was...
2: Sorry, I'm just going to stop you there. What products were you selling? These hyper-niche products?
1: <laughs> um, so um, one thing, I'll give you an example, actually. Like with merchandise, I mean, T-shirts, hoodies, mugs, bags, stuff like that. With hyper-niche, you know, with Facebook ads, you can go really deep on p- things that people are interested in. So I'll give you an example. Someone might really like tennis. They might be vegan. Um, they might be a father. And you, I will go and design something that speaks to the combination of these three interest groups. And when you target someone who is very specifically with these products, he's very likely to buy these things. Because what are the chances that you will um, see something which is so specific to you?
0: So when was this? You're, you're in university at this point. Yes,
1: I was in uni. Uh, and this was in my first year at uni.
0: First year at uni. Yeah. Wow. And I'm
2: curious, what design did you make for a tennis-loving uh, vegan dad? <laughs> this
1: is probably wasn't the best example to use. <laughs> <laughs> um, but actually, the actual designs, I did not make them myself. Um, there was a, a crowdsourced design service called 99designs. What you do with that is you tell people what you want to design, and then lots of designers will compete, and then the best w- winner takes the um the contract essentially anti does design for you. And um, so lot of what I did was on the front end marketing, demand generation side of things. And that was a lot of fun. And my biggest learning from that was once you make your first pound by yourself, like it is it is really like taking the red bill in the matrix because it, it actually feels really good. You'll never forget that moment. So I did that. That's how I funded myself. First two years of uni. Then I had the impression that I needed to um, find a job, like a proper job. Um, applied to so many different places and luckily I found a job at the time to do a placement here at an oil refinery. It was the largest oil refinery in Europe at the time. Not that I'm proud of working in in the oil and (laughs) gas industry. Um, Yeah, I learned a lot, but one of the things that I learned as well is um, the fact that I am not the type of person that would work well in a very command and control, very restricted environment. Uh, and I always had in the back of my mind the experience of starting something and making my own project, which was really interesting. So I did that. Um, I finished the placement here. I was doing my third year of uni at the time as well, concurrently. Came back to my fourth year. Um, thought, OK, I don't want to do engineering stuff anymore. Uh, I want to do something which is forward thinking at the time, something that's tech related, something that's cool.
2: S- so is that something that engineering couldn't give you?
1: Yes, actually. Yeah. Uh, especially traditional engineering stuff like the, the impact that you can have is really limited as compared to what you can have if you are in tech.
0: And can you? What, what do you mean by impact? What does that mean for you?
1: Um, I really love this question because it is a term that a lot of people use and is very much overused. I think by impact, I mean the scale of how good you are doing in the world and how many lives you're touching with what you're doing. Um, that means what impact is, and it can have different meanings to different people. And um, so in my fourth year of uni, um, I thought, okay, how to get into tech? I really need to become valuable so that I can get into tech. Um, and with that, the first thing I did, I spent so much time coding and learning AI. I did my dissertation on something which is very heavy on like the machine learning side of things. Loved that. I was like, okay, this is amazing. Um, and then the day I had my final exam, there was one person that I met once at a random tech event in London. I gave him a call. He was a founder uh, who was in day one of starting a company. He had, he was still figuring out what he wanted to do. Um, and I was like, I, I, just finished uni. I was about to finish uni. I need to come. He was, and it was a Thursday. He was like, okay, on Monday, uh, if you want to start, you need to be in London in Monday. On Monday. Um, I was like, okay, wow. Okay, so not much time to. That's that. quite
0: a challenge, isn't it? <laughs>
1: yeah, um, especially finding a place to live and moving yeah. everything and stuff like that. I was like, okay, I'm going to take the challenge. Um, and in, in hindsight, that was probably one of the best decisions that I made because the, the thrill of being in day one of a very promising startup alongside very smart, very motivated people is something that we will never forget. did that for about uh, almost two months, I think. And then um, at the time, I was reading so much about vc and startups and i'm quite obsessive over these things so um who's who in the tech world and stuff like that and i knew about this program called diversity vc probably the night before the deadline
2: (laughs) but how how did you even get onto the topic of vc because it's it's not like a really well coveted topic and unless you start digging into the tech world did it start i'm passionate about tech and then it was like almost every business that's successful is backed by X, Y, and Z. Is that how you got into it, or was it a different route?
1: That's probably um, how I got into it, because I I grew up watching the social network and listening about the stories of the people who started Facebook and the Ubers and the Googles of the world, right? Uh, And when you hear these stories, you know that, okay, to have a bunch of like nerds in a dorm room go all the way to having a globally leading company, you you can't do that by yourself, Uh, and you need a lot of support to get there. Uh, And that's one thing that got me really interested in, okay, what's that support, and where does it come from? And actually, the other day I was looking at my email from like four years ago because I just wanted to analyze what I was doing and thinking at the time. And I don't know what got me to do that. But one of the things that I did was I, for the first time that I learned about venture, I I thought, wow, this is so cool. I called email probably... 50 different VCs in London. I was still at uni at the time. And I said, like, yeah, this is, this, like, I, I, would, I would do anything. I would work for you for free. And actually, in, tr- in retrospect, looking at who responded, probably, I think, two people responded. Um, and I met these people um, through diverse VC this summer. I told them the story. And it was really interesting to these DC- it tells you a lot about the type of person that will take a pet on an 18 year old who doesn't know anything about anything and at least have the kindness to respond um so this is one thing um that we'll try to do and i always, um, because pay it forward because the type of person that um it, it is a really small world and reputation is the currency be as supportive especially to those who are still starting out still early on uh, because in few years they might be the next unicorn founders or the next Superstar VCs in, in town. So that's one thing um, that I took from them. So going back, I I did uh, an internship at a startup, uh, super early stage. I then did the diversity VC.
2: Yes. Tell us a little bit about diversity VC and what it is. And obviously, so lucky to catch it just before the deadline.
1: Amazing. Yeah. So diversity VC, the idea behind it is everyone recognizes the problem of diversity in venture, uh, or at least almost everyone. And it goes with the notion of talent is evenly distributed, but opportunity is not. And it wants to level the playing field essentially for people from different backgrounds that are statistically and historically less likely to make it to venture um, than other segments. And I think um, not only from a social justice perspective that this thing happen, it, it makes a lot of commercial sense because founders are outliers. A lot of founders come from non-traditional backgrounds. And if you really want to spot these outliers early on, you need people who are outliers themselves. And because of that, the, it, the idea is it's not charitable to just have a diversity quota or something in place. It is a differentiating factor for a firm that really wants to be successful. Uh, And luckily, we are seeing a lot of progress in in the aspect in Europe in general. So going on, I did the program. I worked at Seraphim Capital.
2: So so what is the program exactly?
1: Yes, so the program has a few components to it. The main component is a full-time internship as an analyst or an associate as a VC fund. Uh, It was 20 of us uh, this year, uh, about 20 different funds in London. And how
2: many applications were there? About
1: 800, 900, I think. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, And what do you think gave you the edge? Interesting question. I think um, having... For anyone who is applying, and applications are now open, I think, uh, I highly encourage everyone to apply. I think what gave me the edge is the fact that I had company in the past. Um, this was one thing. I was already working in a startup. Uh, this was the other thing. And in the way that DiversityVC does its applications, it's really interesting because they don't do the classic send a CV and the cover letter. It, it has an, uh, pretty much an anonymous um, essay questions that you have to, to answer. And the quality of your answers determines how good you are, essentially. So I think this, this was one thing.
2: And I, I don't know about you, it takes me days to write an essay. So how did you do it the day before?
1: Uh, it was the day before, and I, from what I remember, it was seven questions. Uh, each one had a three or four hundred word answer. Uh, so it, it, I knew that if I was to write at my normal pace, I would not even be able to make it. Um, so one thing that I did is, I don't know if you know about the voice to text uh, stuff on Word and Google Docs so
2: i mean it sounds familiar but it seems quite a foreign thing to me i've, I've never actually used it yeah. is it easy to find is it like yeah. free
1: yeah 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 i well, um, have the, to
2: plug that
1: yeah even <laughs> like on your phone if you go to the notes app you can just record yourself and
2: really even, yeah um, gosh and i call myself
0: tech savvy <laughs> and i didn't even know that was the functionality <laughs> lois did you i did yeah because i love to play with the text functionality when i can't use my hands you know when you're cooking and someone oh, yeah. texts you and you want to respond but I'm not sure I find it to be particularly accurate. (laughs) Maybe it's my accent. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so you you did that.
1: That's right, yeah. uh, It was a pleasure to fill the application because the question were like, okay, what company would you invest in if you're a VC or what industries are you most interested in? Uh, And this type of stuff is stuff that I think about all the time. Um, So it was quite natural. And then there was some editing, as you said earlier to with the voice-to-text stuff. But it took me in total, I think, about three hours to do the seven questions, which I think is a record time.
2: Amazing. So DiverseCVC is, um, how long is the length of the program?
1: So um, in the first cohort, um, the length was five weeks for five weeks. full-time internship, but most of us extended. I'd spent about two months.
2: Two months at Seraphim. At and, Seraphim. And could capital. you tell us a little bit more about that that company?
1: Yes. So Seraphim is unique in a way that it is the, I think, the world's only space tech focused VC. Uh, I'm a massive space nerd and it was right at the intersection of venture and space which is uh, really what what I'm super interested in. So Seraphim invests at series A plus uh, and it has also an accelerator um, and it does this in companies that operate in the space ecosystem Um, So space is not only SpaceX, as the commercial space is really very varied, and companies that do stuff in communications, in IoT, in cybersecurity, in um, connectivity, all these sorts of stuff, uh, even GPS um, companies, all this stuff falls within the space category, and even drones. Um, So it was very refreshing to to see how we can commercialize space, Um, especially because if you think of space, it, it started off as something that only governments can do. The costs have gone down massively. Now lots of small startups with some funding are launching amazing projects into space. So this was not the classic VC experience that people have because it's, it's like hardware focused, IP paced industry that, that has different timescales to traditional VC.
0: I think that's super, super cool. And it's definitely not people's usual experience of VC. Could you tell us a couple of startups that people should watch out for in the space, space? Um <laughs>
1: Totally. So in the space space, as you said, um, I think one company that is doing really interesting work there is a company called Focal Point Positioning. So the aim of this company is using a software only solution. It will 10x the accuracy of the GPS chip on your uh, mobile device. So, you know, when you're, say, leaving a tube station and you don't know where to go, the directions are not clear or something like that.
0: Yeah. Oxford Circus. Oh, my gosh. Which exit do I go to?
1: Totally. Um, yeah,
0: we're really excited about that.
1: Um, so, And it, it really improves the accuracy to, I think, a level of like 10 to 20 centimeters. Um, and if you think of the application in that, not only in like, say, personal mobile phones, but also in drones, um, in autonomous cars, in autonomous vehicles in general. So this sort of stuff that really improves the accuracy is a company that is op- is within the space ecosystem because all the GPS satellites are in space. Um, But it's a software solution, and it has the potential to be a unicorn because it can go into every single uh, mobile phone in the planet.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, So you talked a little bit about your application to Diversity VC, and we talked about the aims of that program and how it's aiming to get um, people from more diverse backgrounds than usual into venture. I just wondered if you had any tips for people, maybe not going for that particular program, but around breaking into venture more generally.
1: So if I was to start uh, in VC again, if I really wanted to break into VC, this is what I will do. The first thing is um, build a unique community. It can be either geographic. So if you are somewhere where there is not a lot of presence um, of people in tech, build a community around that. If you have access to, um, say, uh, underrepresented types of founders, that's like women in tech or LGBTQ in tech or refugees in tech or anything of that sort, have unique access because having deal flow uh, that comes from places where unique deal flow doesn't normally come from is going to set you differently from uh, most other applicants. The second thing is um, write content, tweet, VCs love being on Twitter. They probably spend too much time on Twitter for their own good. It is so easy to access and interact with the VCs that you would not otherwise have the chance to speak to. Um, Over time, uh, start commenting on things, replying to things, asking questions. This will give you some visibility, and it will give you a bit of a brand name as well. Um,
0: I think that's really good advice, actually. It's advice that I sometimes give to uh, founders. So especially, I think it's a really good workaround for things like getting warm introductions. So yeah. if you're on Twitter and you're following you know, your favorite VCs, you can get a real sense for who they are as people, what they like, what makes them tick. Um, and it makes it so much easier for you to make that warm relationship yourself.
1: Totally, totally agree. And it gives you this instant credibility as well. So when people look you up, you have, you have some content. And over time, you'll start to develop your own insights, your own thesis, uh, and be open about it. Don't hold anything back. There are ways of doing I think actually one useful thing that people can do, um, yesterday uh, there was a guide that was released. It was called, the I think, the Holloway Guide to um, Twitter, and it's very much focused on VC Twitter. Uh, it's really thorough, and it gives you lots of tips on how to stand out. Have a specific theme, expertise. Whether that's a an industry, so it could be space, could be fintech, could be prop tech, um, could be anything. But have something that you're good at, and also have a vertical that you're interested in. That could be SaaS, could be marketplaces, uh, platforms, uh, ISAs, a space which I'm really interested in. I'm sharing agreement um, I think we're just scratching the surface with this whole new economic model um, so this is something that's going to help you stand out um, another thing Scout there is a lot of new Scout networks and uh, people do it at times just to build experience and sometimes people get paid for it
0: should we just let's let's take a quick pause so scouting I think is a super interesting topic and I'm not sure we've spoken about it yet Um we're actually going to have some guests, I think, later on in the series who are going to talk to us okay. a bit more about that. But maybe you can tell us what you mean by that. What are some of the programs that you're thinking of?
1: Yeah, so um, one example that comes to mind is Ada Ventures. One way they are, they are thinking of um, generating deal flow, especially diverse deal flow, is by using scouts. So if you are a scout on such a program, your job is to go and find interesting deals from uh, that people wouldn't otherwise have access to these deals. Um, and then when you uh, bring these deals, you either get paid for them or it can also be helpful to get that experience of being in venture. It can give you a massive leg like, up um, and you can you can do it for angels as well. Angels, especially early stage angels, um, they have some networks, they really want good deal flow. Um, so if you if you start with having this community and then uh, d- Using that to generate your own deal flow and then bringing that to either scouts or VCs, then that can be something that's going to be very useful.
0: Perfect. Yeah. So the scout role is a kind of formalized role for people who bring deal flow to yeah. venture funds or people with money to invest in companies.
1: I agree. So scouting for angels or smaller funds, there are a few examples that come to mind if you do a quick Google ad um, adventures, as I said, PACT VC, they have a scout program. Um, there's also um, some remote scout programs for US-based funds. Um, one of them, uh, from my is called Tiny Seed. Uh, a really interesting phenomenon, which is not the classic VC model focused on profitable, sustainable businesses, um, but giving them the financial support um, early on. Um, Yeah,
0: and lots of people do scout programs before they break into VC, don't they? So, well, they're at uni. That's a really good example because, like you were saying before, it also links back to having access to communities that other investors don't necessarily have access to. Um, And so uni is a great example of that. If you're on campus, you've got your ear to the ground of, like, you know, what younger people are using. Um, And so, like, to your point, it's all about leveraging your advantages in your differentiator to to get yourself that position so you get your foot in the door, right?
1: Totally agree. And being a student is actually a really underrated place for generating really unique and really good deal flow. There are some um, funds who are starting to use campus-based scouts. So I think one that comes from my campus capital. Um, um, I have also a friend who is working on a new project in this area. So um, really, if you are at a uni that doesn't have... Especially if you're somewhere, say in Exeter, right? Like there are no VCs there, there are no, start- no startups there. So being a scout in an area where, which doesn't have an ecosystem can really be a differentiating factor for you. Um, moving on, have a clear why. Really know why do you want to do venture? I think a lot of people get into venture for their own reasons. I think a lot of people that tell me they want to get into venture, I try to ask them why and it is not really the the right motivation for doing it uh, and I will get to that in a minute so really evaluate your options think of the opportunity cost of you could be doing this or you could be doing something that's more impactful for you um so this is something know your why and share your story authentically um be super authentic be humble be nice um, people are willing to have a conversation with you give yourself a challenge of cold emailing someone new uh, every week uh, reaching out on twitter and people you will be surprised at how helpful people can be
2: i think that's also really great advice for a founder would you say as well
1: Totally, yeah. Uh, I think the habit of reaching out to people and just sending cold emails, probably the conversion rate would be 10%. Uh, one in ten would respond, but you, it, you can have life-changing conversations as a result of these.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I think um, I've been having lots of conversations with people recently about stuff like that and, you know, often people can be a little bit reserved about that kind of thing. You know, they don't want to impose on, on people, but actually if you, I always think, you know, if you put yourself in the other position, if someone were to cold message me but had you know really clear articulation of why they wanted to chat i'd be so open to it and then you know you're nodding you would be too (laughs) almost everyone is like you say like um, a nice person interested in good conversation with people with similar interests
1: totally agree and we there there is a growing trend in um really senior people who are recognizing how important it is to give sort of those who are starting out a chance the only drawback of reaching out to someone is that if if they just don't respond and get used to rejection because yeah in in any job that you will ever have you'll get lots of rejection um and even if you're a founder specifically if you're a founder <laughs> um so get comfortable with doing that and then if you do it quite yeah you a know, few times you will you will start to see good results and but make sure you're being authentic, you're being specific, you're not just spamming people.
0: Absolutely. I think that's great advice. That's top, top tips. Um so I did want to ask you a little bit more about, you know, you've had experience of you founded your own company when you were in first year of uni. Since then, you've had some experience in the VC space as well. Do you have any takes on, um, you know, your experiences of those two different worlds? And from in your you know, personal point of view, you know, what do you prefer and why and, and what kind of path are you going to take next?
1: It's very interesting that you bring this up because I have some views on this. Um. Few few months ago, I had to make a very important decision into um, either going down the VC route. Um, I had a really interesting firm that I wanted to work for. They gave me an offer, but I also had another um, option to work on, which is a program that I'm currently doing called the New Entrepreneurs Foundation. With that, I'm now working as a machine learning engineer in a clean energy company. It was a really different options and um the main considerations that I had in mind were the following. The first thing is really what type of person are you? There are, uh, I am, I know myself, I love to build things. I love to make things. I have this engineering mind. And um, having that and seeing when you are a VC, one of the most frustrating things is seeing these amazing founders working on these amazing projects. And all you can do is just give them a check. At that time, you just love to go and join and build something interesting. Um, So that's one thing that led me to go down the entrepreneur route. The other thing is know what you are optimizing for, whether knowing. Or unknowingly, everyone is optimizing for something. Some people optimize for work-life balance. Some people optimize for traveling and flexibility. Some people optimize for um, wealth. Some people optimize for uh, impact. I know really well what, what I want, and I have very clear goals uh, for what I want to achieve in the next few years. And um, and this revolved to me um, around um, wealth and impact. And really, to if if I was to think of, I'm 22 now. When I'm 30. Which path is going to take me closer to have these two things achieved? And I think it's really good to have very clear conversations with yourself into why are you doing things? Don't do things to impress people. Don't seek validation from others. Be true to yourself. VC can seem like a sexy, glamorous, um, super cool industry to be part in. But think of the opportunity cost. Think of, um, you know, you can be doing this or you can be doing something which is um, going to give you more skills for the long term keep that long-term view in mind. So one of the reasons that I don't want to stay in VC is around the transferable skills. So with what I'm currently doing, um, I'm really applying cutting edge AI to clean tech. So that seemed to me like ma- really maximizing impact as opposed to being in VC where you really you are helping these amazing entrepreneurs and it can be really empowering and really interesting. But um, is this the maximum, the most like impactful thing that you can be doing with your time? And they have another take um, on VC, which might be, seem a bit controversial. I think a lot of VCs are a bit like a Ponzi scheme in a way. And I will elaborate on this. So, Uh,
0: (laughs) so (sighs) okay, elaborate on it. Um,
1: Okay, so I think with that, um, let's take a scenario. You have seed funds, um, Series A funds, and Series B funds. Seed funds, they put a lot of smaller checks into lots of different companies. After they invest, the first thing in the first board meeting, what do they tell the founders? Grow, grow, grow at all costs. The companies grow, then they go two years later, they raise their Series A at four or five X devaluation. The Series A, what do they do? Same thing, grow, grow, grow. A few years later, some companies go and raise B. Uh, there be rounds when that happens say over the two first two three years of a fund where everyone is doing the investments they go back to their lps look like we we uh, we're getting amazing returns four or five extra returns on some of our companies the lps because the markets are doing so well everywhere and it's everyone is starting a new fund um LPs will put money back into this and the the reality is i think when the next economic crash is happening, um, the amount of funds that will go underwater is is enormous because a lot of the startups that are being funded are fundamentally flawed. They are um, sort of gross margin uh, negative. Um, and the public markets are not taking this. A big example of this is Uber, what's been happening since the IPO, um, the stuff with WeWork, etc. So... Um, I think I have some takes on and even this, uh, a lot of this goes to founders as a piece of advice. Be very conscious of uh, why you are raising, who you are raising from. Are you aligned with your investors on the vision of where you want to take the company? And this is something um, that, that can really make or break your company.
0: I totally agree with you. I think that's that's really excellent advice. You know, there's a lot of discourse at the moment about VC um, as as a kind of career path for individuals and then as um funding options if you like as well and you know for me i just think actually it, um it comes down to people again like you said that kind of discourse needs to be paired with um self awareness because really you know it's as good or as bad as uh, as almost anything else depending on what your um what your personal context is and as you say what what are you looking to optimize for and for some people it's the perfect role you know, there's, there's lots to love about it. For others, it's just not right. And I think it's exactly the same for funding. And actually, I think one of the healthiest things is good debate about, you know, what other funding options are out there and more transparency. Um, and I don't know if I'd describe VC as a Ponzi scheme myself, but I can certainly see where you're coming from. And I think a lot of people are starting to see that. And it's so much healthier for the whole industry if we can be clear about what it offers and what the other options might be.
1: Totally agree with you. Um, Specifically around being conscious of different career paths in VC because it really takes a lot to succeed as a fund. It's the same with startups. It's power low. Some funds will really get most of their returns. A lot of funds will not make their returns. And you have to position yourself, especially when you think of the timing of when you want to do VC in your career. You want to position yourself at a point where you really have the maximum likelihood of succeeding. And this might not mean that you want to go into VC straight after uni because you don't have that much insight. You don't know a lot about different functions, different industries. so and really, especially with VC, because it's very much reputation based, you won't, y- you, you get probably one or two chances of making it. And um, it takes it's a very long term game. It takes about, say, 10 years or so to, to figure out if what you're doing works or not. So choose the right time to work in this. And um, yes, there is also a major conversation about um, careers in VC when you're an analyst or associate. Um there is a good trend, a lot of funds are giving carry to their um, junior staff, but a lot are not, the majority are not from what I know. And um, there is no clear pathway from um, being junior in VC to a seat at the table, uh, to being a partner in a fund. If you think about it, like if you, how many VC funds, how many funds um, that matter are there in London? Not that many, say four or five partners per fund. There's probably less than 100 VC partners out there. And so with other, with other career paths, you have a clear way um, you know of getting to, to a level where you can own part of, of the funds that you're in but we're seeing a lot of say career associates that don't have a clear pathway of getting to, to a partner level in VC which is and something that everyone should consider before thinking of starting a career in VC so the really long time horizons and the timing of your career um because as an industry VC will always be there um, but what can you do now to ensure that you have the highest likelihood of succeed, success when you enter it um, and this can be different timings for different people
2: that is really really interesting and i think it's something that's not spoken about a lot so thank you very much hassan um so you're talking about this program that you're on it's a year-long program is that right and then um as part of the program you you get to um meet lots of different and interesting people what every other friday is that right
1: Yes, that's, um, that's one element of it. Um, the new entrepreneurs foundation. It works the following way. So they match, they select promising future entrepreneurs. They place you in high growth entrepreneurial companies. And then um, over a 12 month period, you build enough of a network, enough of an experience and insights that you can go and start something on your own at the end.
2: So is, is that what you're planning on doing?
1: Probably, probably, yes. I'm still exploring various spaces. Um, and actually doing this over a 12-month period, it gives you this sort of safe space to try so many different things yeah. with a lot of really interesting people. Um, everyone that I've met on the program so far is really driven, really humble. Um, and you can tell a lot of people will be ultra-successful. Um, so being in this community is a really good preparation for someone who wants to break out and start something on their own at some point.
2: That's super cool. And actually... Um, Your conversation reminded me of an article that I read. And I love this stat. 55% of Americans' billion-dollar startups have an immigrant founder.
1: Oh, wow. So
2: isn't that that. incredible? Um, So I'm going to throw a question at you. Why do you think that is? I mean, obviously, you've got a real drive. Do you think that that's based on having landed in the UK and then literally just had to go from the ground up and, and make yeah. resource because you didn't have any other options? Like, wh- Why do you think um, you've got that drive over perhaps your friends or people that you've met?
1: Um, I think the, one of the things that make a successful founder or entrepreneur in me is um, to me is how comfortable are they with risk? And how comfortable are they with struggles and pain? So, yeah, it's it's these two things. So, are you willing to um, risk your career? Not necessarily your career, because really, like, if you think of the worst that could happen, it's probably not that bad. Um, but it's it's this tendency to really have this ability to take risks and this this hunger, like this drive to, to really be exceptional in everything that you do. Um, it can be a bit of like a chip on the shoulder in a way, because you want to prove yourself, one thing. But also, and a lot of it comes from a lot of, well, I'd say, ambition comes from struggles. And uh, when you go through like difficult life circumstances, this instills in you this sense of wanting to do something uh, impactful in your life.
0: That's
2: amazing. So, shall we go on to question time? Let's do it. Um, so, you've decided to um, pick this question, which I think is fantastic. But thank you to everyone who has submitted theirs. So, this is from... Hui Wang, congratulations, Hui. You'll get to go and have a coffee or call with Hassan. Um, So Hui wants to ask you, everyone goes on about how important diversity is in the ecosystem and everywhere else for that matter. And I personally believe it is extremely important. Hence, I've hired someone with less experience due to the fact I want my team to be diverse. However, I've not spoken to a single investor who cared about how diverse my team is. To put it simply, they only care about your credentials and experience. My question is, does diversity really matter to VCs or is it just a branding exercise for them? But what they ultimately want is an impressive LinkedIn profile.
1: It's a very insightful question. Um, And I think there is um, growing trends that are shaping this conversation, the ecosystem. Uh, I think the conversation is moving more from... um, say, participation-based diversity, you know, just having someone there for the sake of having someone there, or it's diversity for the sake of diversity, to seeing, it's people starting to see the data of how important and how, really how, how um, valuable diversity can bring to any team or any fund out there. And because of this information, because of how many data points that people are having now on the returns of funds that have diverse uh, founders in their portfolio or diverse employees in, in their funds, um, this is shaping the conversation to more a lot of funds we're seeing um, are embracing diversity in a way. But I think being being conscious of um, the the drivers or the motivations behind these funds, um, it's it's a lot of times it's really easy to tell if someone is doing diversity for the sake of just because of pressure, uh, or because everyone is doing it, um, or because they really genuinely believe and they move just from diversity to inclusivity and ensuring that everyone in the team is being included. Speaking of which, I haven't had the chance to cover this, but Included VC is another amazing program that I'm doing at the moment. Um, It's a 12 month fellowship, which is a partnership from 10 funds in Europe and 30 fellows. Each one of these fellows have an access to an underrepresented community of founders and through the program we go to lots of master classes and lots of summits, uh, retreats and you get to build really good relationships with the fellows and with the VC partners and you get to understand the the wonderful world of VC.
0: So before we started recording we were having a quick chat um, and you mentioned that y- you'd, um, you'd had some thoughts on common mistakes made by people who are just getting into VC. Um, And I don't think we've covered that with any of our guests so far. So I thought it'd be really interesting if we could um, get your take on that.
1: Sure. Um, So I think the first thing that comes to mind is um, having something unique in your um, sort of skill set that differentiates you as a VC. So this can be, if you come, say, from a technical background, I was speaking to a VC analyst the other day, and one thing he did for his fund was create a AI model that looks at all angel investments in Europe and then specifically looks for the metrics they are looking for and brings that to their deal, deal flow. Uh, or having, so if you are, say, from a recruiting background or psychology background, doing things that are clear value adds, um free from your background and these can translate later into you being specialized in specific niches or industries Um, and this is how you can differentiate yourself over the long term so i think in terms of mistakes that people make in there when starting out in vc i think vc going back to what we said earlier it's an industry with a lot of success an industry with a lot of money um, so there is a lot of status games that get played a lot of the time and to me um, this is something that I run away from as much as I could um, um, don't do things to impress other people don't just seek validation um, focus on, uh, there is a really interesting thread about this status games and wealth games and they are pretty much mutually mutually exclusive um, by Naval uh, I would highly recommend everyone to read it. probably one of my v- favourite threads on Twitter um, but yeah, so with this thing, don't focus on virtue things don't spend too much time on things that are not clearly value-adds to your um, founders, because really what's going to make or break you is your founders and be as helpful as you could be to them. I think um, one one of the my favorite um, VCs in London told me once that there are four elements to a successful VC out there. The first one is brand and reputation the second one is the network that you have the third one is the unique insights you need like if you if you look at this information in the same way that everyone else looks at the information you will not make breakout investments so you have to have unique ways of looking at things being contrarian at times and uh, having having value beyond the uh, checks that you give. Um, so either be uh, if, if there is no value that you're adding, be silent money or be smart money. But don't be the type of VC that will unnecessarily interrupt and try to change the strategy of a company when you're clearly not in a, the right position to do that.
0: Excellent. Thank you, Hassan. Um, I think we're drawing to a close, but are you are you happy for our listeners to get in touch with you and where can they find you?
1: Oh, yes, please do. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Hassan Sukar, uh or you can find me on Twitter, Hassan underscore Sukar, uh, or email me and it'd be easy to find my email from LinkedIn.
2: Awesome. And um, in terms of the people that you'd be really happy to, to meet, who are those sorts of people?
1: Sure. Um, so it can be one of few categories. The first thing that comes to mind, if you are um, a founder um, very early on, you want to learn more about VC, you want um, to um, just brainstorm some ideas, you want some intros, be very happy to help. If you uh, are someone who wants to break into VC, very happy to have a conversation as well. Um, uh, and also, if you're uh, more on technical side, you want to talk about... Using AI to tackle climate change, uh, which is really something that I've been exploring uh, a lot in the last few days. So if this is something that you want to chat about, then I'd be very happy to talk about that.
2: Awesome. Um, So thank you so much for coming on Hassan I think it's such a wonderful story and I love how um, you've got such an interesting point of view from both the founder's perspective as well as a VC perspective so thank you so much for coming on and I'm so excited to
0: see what you do next after the program
1: Uh, Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this.
0: All right. And thank you for listening to Associated. Please do like and subscribe. And for updates on our upcoming episodes, you can find us on Twitter at Associated underscore pod. That's P-O-D. And see you all next week. Thanks.